Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Drinks with Allie podcast, where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. I'm your host, Allie, and today is Wednesday, February 3rd. This is episode 20, and it's a Wine Wednesday. Now, we are just over a week and a half until my least favorite holiday of the year, aka Valentine's Day. Seriously, if you or anyone you know has ever worked in hospitality, you'll know exactly what that means. Though it may... Though it may stink to be away from your family on every other significant day of the year, Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, your birthday, your family's birthdays, uh, Valentine's Day seems to hold a special amount of weirdness for anybody that works in hospitality. I've seen so many fights start at Valentine's Day dinners, it's not even funny. I've also seen more than my fair share of proposals, some of which have ended in those previously mentioned fights. (laughs) So while I may dislike Valentine's Day very much, it does give us a great excuse to drink some awesome wines and other drinks. As such, for the next five episodes, we will talk all about Valentine's Day-related ideas. Today, we'll start with the most classic, well-known, and beloved of all of the Valentine's Day wines, sparkling wine. Today, we'll take a bird's-eye look at all things sparkling So where it's made, uh, styles of making it, and some classic regions you should know and be on the lookout for. So let's jump on in. Now as for winemaking regions that produce sparkling wine, you can pretty much count on, well, all of them making sparkling wines. Um, So everywhere in the old world, everywhere in the new world. Um, There are a couple exceptions to that rule. I'm not sure that Israel's making a lot of sparkling wine. I could be wrong. If I am, please, somebody let me know on that one. But, you know, for the most part, everybody is doing sparkling wine. Some would say that that's because you can hide a lot of faults or kind of hide all sorts of winemaking or grape growing errors. So not fault faults. Um, we think of faults as stuff like cork taint, oxidization, not necessarily those style of faults, but stuff like... Um, over or under ripeness in your grapes, um, slight winemaking errors. People would say that you can mask those by producing a sparkling wine. And for some sparkling wines, um, it is totally forgiving, for sure. But, and obviously it, it can fix that, those issues, but by no means does that mean that the base wine of sparkling wines are ever bad. Just more so that if there's a slight error, it can be corrected and made a little bit better by turning it into a sparkling wine. So I want you guys to think that sparkling wines are bad wines or they're lower quality wine. A lot of producers and regions actually grow specifically for their sparkling wines and they grow at a higher level um, than their table wines. So they're reducing their crop more. They're carrying smaller loads for them, which gives us better grapes. Better grapes give us better wine. It does depend. And of course, obviously, there are those bulk producers that just crank out huge amounts of kind of bulk sparkling wine that isn't so great as well. Just kind of depends. It's like everything else in wine and everything else in, well, everything else just depends on what you're doing. So there are five styles of making sparkling wine. We'll talk about them. But those sparkling, those methods are traditional method or method champenoise. Ancestral method, Charmat or tank method, transfer method, and lastly and leastly, carbonation method. 
So let's take a look at each one of these individually and talk about what makes them each different and unique. So traditional or champagne method is by far and away the style that most people are familiar with. This style is thought to make the highest quality, longest lasting, and most complex sparkling wine. And though the method can be used outside of champagne, anywhere in the world, it can only be called champagne if that wine comes from within the geographic borders of the Champagne region in France. And that includes all of the grapes being grown within that region as well. So the grapes have to grow there, the wine has to be vinified there, it has to undergo its secondary fermentation there, then it is champagne. Otherwise, you can't use the name. It's a no-go. You can't, even now, you can't put like champagne style or anything else like that on the bottle. You will get in trouble. It is trademarked, copyrighted, and all that jazz. So, no-go. Usually, the rest of the French winemaking regions call their sparkling wines that are made in the, spark, in the champagne method, cremants. So C-R-E with an accent, M-A-N-T. So when making a wine in this style, so we'll just call it traditional method, the secondary fermentation happens in the bottle that you buy. So the bottle that you're physically buying off the shelf when you're buying a bottle of, let's say, Viv Clicquot is the bottle that the secondary fermentation happened in. So when the wine first ferments in tank, same as your regular table wine would, um, it's fermented pretty much dry, or it is fermented dry. Um, it's then put into bottles with yeast and some sugar added to it. This is called the liqueur de tirage. Um, so it just is uh, a liquid that they make up, blend together, and they put inside the bottle. A crown cap or a bottle cap, um, so like a beer bottle cap is what they look like, is added to the top, and the wine is left to both ferment and age in usually a cave or a cellar. It has to be a cool, dark place with a steady temperature and moisture um, level so that there isn't exploding bottles. If bottles heat up, there's too much pressure, they'll explode. You can explode an entire cellar if that happens because one bottle goes and it creates a cascade effect before it stops. Uh, some, but not all, regions have a minimum aging requirement. Um, so once that bottle is set and ready to go, there's some regions where it has to be aged for a certain number of years. There's some regions that don't have that either. So once fermentation and aging is done, the bottle is riddled. Yes, I know that sounds really ridiculous, but that's what it's called. And the guy that does this job um, traditionally in France, it's done by hand. And that guy's name is the Riddler. That's his job title. I, I am not making this up, guys. This is a true story. So riddling is slowly and incrementally turning the bottles day by day until they have gone from being laying on their sides to being upright. Um, and this allows the sediment, aka the lees, or the dead yeast cells to fall into the neck of the bottle. The bottle is then frozen um, so that the little plug of yeast is solid. The cap is popped off, the sediment plug flies out, Remember, there's about 90 PSI in a bottle of sparkling wine. It can range between 70 um, in, like, Prosecco, but definitely Champagne, you're hitting 90 PSI. That's a lot. It's almost as much as your car tire. And a dosage is added before the fun little mushroom cork goes in the top. Now, that dosage that I just mentioned is a mixture of wine and sometimes sugar that's added to the bottle to top it up and balance the flavor. Um, it doesn't have to have sugar in it. 
Some winemakers do, some winemakers don't. It can be wine from the same vintage. That's when you're getting a vintage champagne or vintage sparkling wine. Um, So if it says, for example, 2012 on it, all of the wine in that bottle is from the vintage year of 2012. If it doesn't have a year on it, it can be a blend of multiple years that are going into that bottle. So any wines coming from Champagne, most cremants, all of the cavas in the world that you see are all made using this method, as well as any uh, number of New World sparkling wines that say traditional method, Champagne method, or classic method on it. So there's a bunch of different names that can kind of come up with that but they all mean the same thing. So you see traditional method, méthode traditionnelle, tradnat, méthode champenoise, champagne method, méthode classique, classic method, all of those on a bottle all mean the same thing. They're all traditional secondary fermentation in bottle happens with their sparklings. Now, ancestral method is the oldest method for making sparkling wines. It's currently enjoying enjoying being ever so trendy in the world of wine under the name of Pétillon Naturel, or Petnat. Um, If you're looking for Petnat, the spelling is P-E-T hyphen N-A-T, and Pétillon Naturel is P-E-T-I-L-L-A-N-T-N-A-T-U-R-E-L. Super trendy. Usually clumsy in a clear glass bottle with a minimalistic looking label. Um, so unlike traditional method wines, these, mo- these wines don't finish their initial fermentations in tank. Partway through that process, the wine is transferred into the bottle and capped. Um, they sometimes have a little bit of liqueur de triage added to them, but most likely it's just um, the yeast that's in suspension in the wine itself as it's being bottled that gets left behind. Then they put the same crown cap on it. These are, most of these wines are sold without being disgorged and are cloudy. So they look kind of hazy in the bottle and they have the leaves still in the bottle. So you'll see like a sediment layer in the bottom of these bottles. They're considered a low intervention way of making sparkling wine. Like I said, they're enjoying a really big moment right now and have for the past couple of years when it comes to sparkling wine, especially in the natural wine movement. Charmat method is a less expensive way of making sparkling wine, but by no means is it less involved, um, with the exception of not needing an additional cellar to age your full bottles in. Once the wine finishes its first fermentation, it's moved to a pressurized tank where the same liqueur de tillage is added to the tank. So they're going to add yeast and some sugar um, back into the tank, And secondary fermentation happens in this pressurized tank. The pressurized tank is just to ensure that the bubbles don't escape when the second fermentation has happened. So normally when we're fermenting in a tank, we have a uh, bubbler on top and it allows for the CO2 to escape out of the tank. Obviously, if you're making a sparkling wine, you don't want that to happen. You want the CO2 to stay inside the wine or at least inside the tank so it stays pressured. These wines typically don't see any lees contact, um, so they don't age as much, and they're bottled almost immediately after their secondary fermentation. But they do have a secondary fermentation. And the most classic and most notable of these um, Charmat Method sparklers is definitely Italian Prosecco. 
So if you've had a nice Prosecco, you've definitely had a Charmat method um, sparkling wine. And definitely in the last 10 years, they've improved in quality. When we were in school, Charmat method, some of them weren't so great. Now, absolutely, there's some great Proseccos out there. Just happens to be the style in which they make them. Uh, so just so you guys know, remember that um, we have to add yeast and sugar into them in order for the yeast to actually have something to eat to make more alcohol and to make the carbon dioxide. So that's why we're adding that sugar in. It's not for any other reason at all, not to sweeten it or anything. Um, you can back sweeten a sparkling wine. There are rules about how much or how little, but that is why um, they're adding that sugar at that point, at that secondary fermentation. All right, so transfer method, Ooh, sorry guys, is like hybrid winemaking. It's really cool. I've never seen this done personally, but I'd really like to see this happen. Um, I think it would be really cool to watch. So you take the wine and have secondary fermentation happen in the bottle, same as you would with traditional method sparkling. But when you go to discord the yeast, you do it into a pressurized tank, like in Charmant method. So then you... Um, pressurize the tank afterwards as well. So when the so the wine can then age without the lees being there. So it gets a bit of aging, but not as much as it would if it was in the bottle and on the lees. The wine is filtered um, instead of being riddled as it goes into the tank. This is commonly used for unusual sized bottles of traditional method sparklings, aka those teeny tiny bottles you get on the airplane, or as I like to call them, personal sized bottles. Um, that you can get at the liquor store. You know, they're about 300, 400 milliliters personal size bottles. They're pretty cute. And I've definitely had a few bottles of Prosecco that have been that size. The last method is carbonation method. And it's exactly like it sounds like. The wine is injected with quantities of carbon dioxide, causing the bubbles. So basically the same method as making pop or using a soda stream. Uh, it's, these are definitely considered the lowest tier of all of the sparkling wines that are out there and are often the cheapest price pointed wines as well. Here in Nova Scotia and when I lived in Ontario, they're definitely the ones on the bottom of the shelf or at the bottom shelf. Um, so they're not that great. And it's a pretty basic way to do it. You make wine, not necessarily the greatest wine in the world, these ones are definitely where um, that idea of sparkling wines being lower quality come in. You, you throw some CO2 in there, make a bubble like pop, and away you go. So we all know Champagne as a region, but there are also Cremants, um, like I mentioned from France, that are made in Bordeaux, Burgundy, Loire, Alsace, to name a few. These are often listed on a bottle as Cremant de. Um, so C-R-E-M-A-N-T-D-E. So you have Cremant de Bordeaux, Cremant de Bourgogne, because the Burgundians just needed to be a little bit different, uh, Cremant de Loire, or Cremant d'Alsace. So Loire is spelled L-O-I-R-E, and Alsace is A-L-S-A-C-E. They're both regions in France, um, and they are great, great regions, and they do make great sparkling ones. I've had a ton of Cremants from all of these different regions, and they're great. They can actually be a little bit of a bargain as well if you're a bargain shopper like I am. 
um, because they're still made in that traditional champagne method. They're coming from France. They have a very similar climate in a lot of times, but they're not quite as expensive. There's also, uh, for sparkling wines that we should know, Cava from Spain, Prosecco from Italy, and recently I had an outstanding sparkling wine from Portugal, and there they call them Espamantes. And no, it wasn't Matus. Um, it was a beautiful uh, Portuguese sparkler, I believe from Jero, but I could be wrong. I'd have to go look at the bottle again. Um, and it was fantastic. There's also, I'm probably going to say this wrong because my Italian is not great, Francia Corta, so F-R-A-N-C-I-A-C-O-R-T-A, which is traditional method or Métaux Champenoise sparkling wine from Italy. I'd love to try one of these. It's now totally on my hunt for it list because it sounds really cool and I've definitely never had one before. There's Skeet, or Sket, um, I'm probably saying that wrong as well, S-E-K-T from Germany, which is currently seeing a revival and a return to old methods, which is really cool um, and obviously putting them on my hunt for it list. Um, the Germans are currently abandoning their Schemat methods of bulk production. Um, so after the Second World War, Germany started, well, first they had to replant and rebuild all their vineyards that had been destroyed um, between the First and the Second World Wars. And then they got into Schemat method of making bulk sparkling and skit. And it was considered to be really lowbrow for a really long time. And probably in the last 10 or so years, there's been that new generation of winemaker come in and they've returned back to kind of those older, more traditional methods. Um, they were making traditional methods sparkling wine in Germany in the early 1800s. So definitely return to the roots. And then uh, obviously everywhere in the new world, like I said, they're just going to call it sparkling wine. And it'll probably say somewhere on the bottle, traditional method, méthode classique, méthode champenoise, anything like that. And lastly, we have English sparkling wines. Yes, yes, I know. Crazy bananas. Yes, England grows grapes. And they grow them really quite well. I'm not going to lie, guys. They're fantastic. Love to get my hands on some more. I love the one and only bottle that I have ever managed to find, but it was to die for. I'm so in love. I'm really hoping that I can uh, find some more bottles soon. Which style of sparkling wine is now on your must-try list? Send me a message or leave me a comment on episode 20's podcast post on the website. And with that, guys, we'll wrap up another episode. Remember, if you want to get a hold of me to leave me a question, comment, concern, you just want to talk wine, beer, cider, cocktails, spirits, whatever it is, you can do that in a couple different ways. You can hit me up with an email at drinkswithally at gmail.com. So D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I at gmail.com. You can head on over to the website, drinkswithally.com. So again, D-R-I-N-K-S-W-I-T-H-A-L-I.com. And you can either fill in the contact me form. Uh, it, is its, it is its own separate button. You can leave a comment on podcast episode 20 or any podcast episode's page. They're all listed there on their pod or uh, on any of the blog posts as well. I do see them all and I will reply. I promise. You can also catch me on any of the social media. So 
that would be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MeWe, uh, Pinterest, Spotify. Am I forgetting one? I feel like I might be forgetting one here, guys. I'm not sure, though. Anyways, they're all at Drinks with Allie. Making it really easy to find everything. So with that, guys, fill your glass with something tasty. We'll talk soon. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>